Welcome to a very special edition of the LFC Red Poets podcast with me, Tom Keegan. And I'm joined tonight by Les Lawson and Peter Warburton. Tonight, we have a very, very special guest. In his six and a half years at Liverpool FC, he played 359 games, scoring 55 goals. And in that time, he won the league championship five times. We won the European Cup three times and we won the League Cup four times. He is unarguably the great, one of the greatest players ever to play for the club. When the, when the word legend is thrown about, this really does apply to Mr. Graham Souness. Welcome, Gray. It's lovely to have you. That's some introduction. Thank you. Well, every, it, it, every word is meant. <laughs> right. Yeah, they were, they were great days. They were, um, they were very special days and they just went too quickly. You know, you just think it's going to last forever, but it didn't. But yeah, um, but you know, very lucky to be to be there at that time. But that dude, you were joined by such fantastic players. How how did you find out you were about to join Liverpool, Craig? Well, it was quite well. I knew for a while, and it's very as a direct but indirect route. I was at Middlesbrough. Phil Borsma had left Liverpool to come to Middlesbrough. His big friend was Bob Rockliffe, who had the Wheatsheath Garage. Just um, naughty ash. And every morning, Bob Paisley would go in there to see Bob Rockliffe, who owned the garage, who was also Boy's pal. And he would pick his horses, and Bob Rockliffe would put the bets on for him. So Bob Paisley was saying to Bob Rockliffe, you know, tell your, tell your pal that we're, you know, his pal being Borsma, Phil, that they were interested in me. And then um, there was interest from Man City and Leeds at the time. But, you know, once Liverpool had declared an interest and given that it was a direct route into the manager, I knew it was real. They had one go at trying to buy me and it was turned down and I, I dug my heels in and, and fell out with a club over it because, you know, at that time, if you could have joined Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Liverpool, it was Liverpool. They were, they were simply the best. I remember, funny enough, I remember <laughs> seeing you, seeing, we went down to see Kenny's first game at Middlesbrough, you know, in the, at the start of the yeah. season. And we'd gone down in, in, in a minibus, you know, for all the lads that I work with. And I think Kenny had scored very early in that game. But most of the, most of the people that was there were saying, were impressed by, by you. You were tackling, you had a, a really solid game that game. Do you remember anything about that game? Did Kenny get two goals out? I remember he scored one. Did he get two? No, we drew 1-1. One, one, but um, yeah. I think a, a lad called Armstrong scored. For, he, for yeah, late. Late David yeah. Armstrong. He was a good player. A really good left foot. I can remember Kenny having a, having a moan at me because I had a, a little nip at him. And he, he, wasn't, he wasn't happy. He wasn't it, happy. And then it comes to joining Liverpool. And then, you know, do you remember anything about your, your early games when you, you debuted? I, 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 I remember everything. I remember everything. Oh, you know? brilliant. This makes it so much easier. Well, well so, so um, how can I put this? Do I, the children listen to this? Well, you, you well, carry on. Well, I, I, I was obviously single. And um, I was, it was a day off and I got a call to a, a lady's house. Um, that the club wanted to speak to me. And uh, I remember um, going to the club and being told I was to go to the Queen's Hotel in Leeds. They, they didn't say who who were interested in me. And I'm thinking Leeds, it's Leeds United. 
Um, but I, I, I decided if it was Man City or Leeds United, I wasn't going to go. I was going to sit tight because of the, the connection through Bowie. So I get to the Leeds Hotel, the, Queen, the Queen's Hotel in Leeds, and I'm shown into a ballroom. And the ballroom was, must have been 30 yards long, 40 yards long. No one else in the boardroom. There was Peter Robinson. There was John Smith and Bob Paisley. And I could see them from 30 yards away at the other end of the ballroom. It seemed crazy. A little table, nothing else. A table and, what, four or five chairs. And um, I think that meeting lasted, you know, it'd be John Smith saying, you, would you like to join Liverpool FC, you know, and he's, he's um, Oxford English. Uh, and, um, they, they, you know, you, you, I gave it away. I, I'd lost all my bargaining power by being so enthusiastic. <laughs> so we got, that, that, that didn't last five minutes of meeting. And we went, there was none of that, where are you going to play me? Will I be in the team? You know, it was just where to assign. So we went back along the M62 and had a BMW at the time, a black BMW, and Peter Robinson was in the front seat, the passenger seat. I was driving a bit fast. I don't know if you remember, because I'm not sure if it's still there, but it was a dip just before you got to the end of the M62. And I was going that fast, more or less bloody took off, and Peter Robinson, I can remember him vividly gripping the, you know, the um, dashboard and... And so I, I thought, oh, I better slow down. Anyway, I got there, medical, no problem, signed. And um, it was the first game, the first game was away to West Brom. It was, yeah. Our stats man up the top, Peter, he's uh, got all our stats for this. Yeah. I've had to write a little bit down because my memory's not as great as it used to be. But I, I, I remember you, your home debut against Birmingham was... was... Can, can, can I take you back to my first game? Go on. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 know how to, we knew how to socialise. That was a different generation. So Monday was um, walk around Melwood, jog around Melwood, a few stretches, a few sprints, six, seven aside for forty minutes, maybe a few sprints, and then home. That was the same Tuesday, Tuesday night. We went out. Um, the, the boys took me out. And I can remember I was with Tomo and Terry Mack. And they started on pints. And I said, I'll just have a half to start with. And they looked at me as if I was like stupid. So I um, I quickly had to have a pint. Anyway, they, they were testing me to see how much I could drink. So the following day we're off. Thursday was the same training. Walk around Melwood, jog around Melwood, a few stretches. Anyway, Friday next to nothing. Go down to Birmingham on the Friday night. It's quarter to three on the Saturday, my very first game for Liverpool. And a quarter to three, I said to, um, to Joe, I said, Joe, can I have a word? He said, yes, Sam, what is it? I said, look, I've been here a week and no one has said anything to me. How is it you want me to play? His response was, and Joe, when he spoke to her, a quiet, you had to lean in to listen to me. I think he spoke, um, he, he spoke quietly on purpose. He said, fuck off. We spent all this money on you and you asked me how to play football. That was the first and only time I ever asked a question in my <laughs> nearly seven years at Liverpool. <laughs> Never asked another question. <laughs> too scared. Going on to the Birmingham game, the first, you, you, deb, you were home. Uh, it was nil-nil half time, and then suddenly we're all standing on the cock, three nil down. And a couple <laughs> of the lads said to me, "What does Graham Sooners think of this team? He's come to this okay. team and we're three yeah. down." And I know we, I know we nearly salvaged the game. I think we we got two back, and we we pile the pressure on at the end. But the next game, I think, was Coventry away, and we lost that one as well. And we were all saying, oh, my God, you know, what did you think of us? But, no, I think, it's worse. I think it was worse than that, because I think losing to Birmingham was the first time we'd lost at home in about 15 months. 
Yeah. I, was, that was, I think it was some daft record, and it was you know my home debut and got beat. So it was all but, my fault. Did didn't wasn't that wasn't that Alf Ramsey's first game as a manager that that game, Greg? Alf Ramsey. Uh, yeah, yeah, the manager. He took over as manager of, of uh, Birmingham. He, yeah, yeah. He, he went. We will. We I I vaguely remember. He he went. I'm sure that he he, he gone <laughs> from England. And it, he was the manager of, of of Birmingham City. I'm not sure whether it was the first game, and they and that that was that was the thing that they built it up. That they mm. actually, you know, you, we I checked that we checked that last night, and he was yeah, because I, I thought he was, but it, um, oh, I, I can't just, remember that. I was but, just yeah, my debut getting beat. Yeah, but it's um, but it, what a game that did turned out to be to come back. Pizza was informed me that you, you hit the crossbar, didn't it? I was just I say a free kick, I hit the crossbar, a cop in. Mm, yeah. yeah. Bounced off the crow, that's good shot, well remembered. <laughs> <laughs> we still lost it, still lost the game. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Your next home game though, Graham, was was more memorable when you scored that cracking uh, goal against Man U in the Annie Road then. What a goal that was. Yeah. God, went in like a rocket. I, I know it was um I can remember I got the ball kicking to Anfield Road then. Terry Mack went wide, put it into him, and I sort of just followed play up, and he, he picked me out, and it came across my body, and I hit it with my left foot, just top corner. But it doesn't get any better than that, does it? Doesn't. No. Doesn't. Not against them. No. The best, no. best goal. Yeah. Best goal. Yeah. And that, that was, um, yeah, what can I say? Just a great memory. Yeah. I think it best goal against them. Yeah, then Dave Graham, I think you, you were we were out the FA Cup earlier that year. I think in January we lost to Chelsea. And then you were obviously cup side then, weren't you, for like the League Cup and even for Europe. And I think you only came into the side in the semi-final. Is that right, in the European Cup? Yeah, but I can remember we went to... I was telling someone this story just recently. You know, I'd, Kenny was a record transfer between two clubs. And... Um, I was a British, an English transfer record. And we went to Benfica and it was a really rainy night and we had a great result. I think, it, I think, I mean, a proper rain. And I'm dressed there thinking I look smart with my latest gear on. And I think we won, was it 3 0? I think Emlyn got a goal that night. And um, I'm in the dressing room and the, the, the floor's littered with muddy boots and muddy socks and, you know, shorts and everything, shirts. And I'm standing there thinking, good result. I'm looking sharp. <laughs> and then, Ron Moran said to me, is there something wrong with you? Oh, no, I'm fine, thanks. I'm okay. He said, um, we're a fucking team. Go around, tie the boots together and put them in the skip, please. Here's me with my latest gear on thinking, this is Liverpool. I'm a big, I'm a big cheese. I'm a, you know, that was it. You're forever getting a smack on the head, just a reminder that you're just nothing special. And Ronnie was the best ever at that. Do you yeah. think that's what made us so successful, Dave? 100%. What made us so successful was that we had the best players. Yeah. And we had coaches who had the most unique way of keeping your feet on the ground. You know, we, we very early got a well done. Or you, you might get from Joe, nothing from Ronnie, from Joe. Did okay today, son. That means you played really, really, really well. Have you got an okay? I can, I, I'm asked about this all the time, about, you know, what was special about it. And, it's, and I'm sure other people you've had on there would tell you the same. We never talked about tactics. We never talked about systems. We never really worked on free kicks. Well, not really, we didn't, other than had a thing called the European free kick, which was when we attacked, 
there was in a wide area. Say Neely was taking a free kick and everyone would run in and then the left back would arrive late. That was called the European free kick. That was as much as our tactics. And only once in, only once in my seven years, we never worked on defensive things either. We were just expected. You're doing that. You're doing that. We're just top players. We went to Bayern Munich. They had drawn, this was 8-1 semi-final the European Cup. We'd drawn nil-nil at home. And Breitner had run the show, a really good player. Really good player. And um, we go there, and when we arrive in the stadium, on every seat in the Olympic Stadium, about 70,000 seater, there was a roadmap to Paris, to Paris for the final. They thought they were in the final. So Bob came in after getting one, pinned it on the board, have a look at that. So that you know, didn't say anything else to us. So then we go out to warm up, come back in, five minutes before the game starts, the buzzer goes, we stand up, we're lined up to go out the door, and Bob said, just hold on a minute, he stood at the front of us. He says, tonight, Sammy, you man marked up Paul Breitner. We all started laughing. I said, but we don't, you know, it's us. We, you know, it's all about you play, there's nothing for anyone. So all of a sudden, he was taking someone else into consideration. Now, you, I can't answer this. Maybe you can, well, give me your opinion on it. Two weeks before that, he'd send this guy have a really good game at our place. We never worked on it. We never spoke about it. It was never mentioned. So he waited until five minutes before the kickoff before telling us we're going to do something different tonight. That was a one and only time. Now, why did he do that? Did he think of it on the day? Did he be mulling about it and thinking maybe, maybe not, maybe? Or did he think he was always going to do it and I don't want to concern them with it and I'll tell them just before they're going out the door? But they had great, they had great, they made you feel like if we were, we were, they would say to us, if we worked hard, if you, Joe would say, if you could guarantee me we'll work as hard as them in that dressing room today, we win the game because we're better players. You lot are better players. In fact, it doesn't matter who's in that dressing room. Because you're so good, you match whoever's in that dressing room or any dressing room and we win. And they made you feel, you know, but it was all about working hard, working as hard as opposition. And because you were better, you'd win the day. Nine times out of ten, we did that. You know, that, that's probably true, isn't it, in the players that we had at the times. You know, you, you, you're talking before, you just your names that you just mentioned, you know, like, uh, and Phil Neal, Emery Hughes, you know, Alan Anson, Kenny Dalton. These are world-class footballers. They, they were just, they were the best. Les was saying a, a, a thing before about, about how, you know, how these players, they, they just played as a unit, and I forgot Rushy answered that as well. You know, like no, there's more you could add. Yeah, there's I know. More. It's but it, it was no wonder we won so you, you felt so confident before every game because we were that good. Yeah, you were that in, good. You're sitting in a dressing room and you're looking to your left. That'll do. I can rely on him. I'm looking to the right. Yeah, I can rely on him. I'm looking across the dressing room. Fuck, I can rely on all of them. It's only me that has only me might be the problem today. And I think everyone was thinking that in the dressing room. We, we had a very, very special group of players. And we took it for granted. I think our supporters may have took it for granted. Um, and I come back to that. We were never allowed to become big heads. They, Joe, sorry, Ronnie called us the big heads all the time. You know, if you're a first-team player, you're a big head. And that was just a little reminder that, you know, we've had good players here before, better than you. We've had better teams than you here before. And it was all just a little... Chipping away at us just to remind us that you get you get nothing unless you match the other team for effort. Okay, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, he signed for us in, in, in January and then 
sort of four, four months later to the date you sign. You know, you're, you're walking out in the European Cup final at Wembley against Bruges. I was at that European Cup final. I was, I was 13, 14 years of age and I'd gone down with my mates and, you know, the excitement was unbelievable. And you played that magnificent pass to Kenny huh? and he really? Unbelievable. And, you know, for me, you know, I can just remember being overwhelmed and, with, you know, to actually see my team live win the European Cup and I've been lucky enough to see it, you know, a number of times since. But that was special. How did you feel, sort of, you know, <laughs> later playing in such a game? Oh, I, I'm, I, I was always blessed with confidence. And I am, um, you know, me having a big price on me, Never, I can never remember that being an issue for me. And as you said, four months later, I'm playing in the European Cup final. My attitude was, I'm going to be the best player on the pitch today. And I always, you know, I went out with that, I'm going to be the best player today. And um, as, I, as I remember that night, they didn't want to take us on in the game of football. They were scared of us. You know, we were the European champions. We were Liverpool. Everyone feared us. And they had some really top players, but they just, they negative, trying to play on counter-attack. And it was only a matter of time before we got a goal. You know, the players we had in our team. Um, they did get a breakaway, didn't they? I, I seem to remember they did get a breakaway. They had a chance before we scored. But we we were always going to win that game. And what, 100,000 people, 90,000 Liverpool supporters? We were always going to win that. And, and I, think then, the, I think that goes into the following season, Graham, as well. Your first full season, you were talking about the confidence of the whole team. Um, we only conceded 16 goals in that season. And we'd, we'd be going the matches. And it wasn't a case of, Oh, how will we get on today? It's how many will we win by? Yeah. And we, we conceded four goals that season, only four goals at Anfield. Can, can you, can you imagine? Morning. Can you yeah. imagine buying a seat? And I scored an OG at Bolton. So <laughs> they only scored 15 goals against us. That was, that was incredible. Can <laughs> so, so, you imagine buying a season ticket and the, the guy behind the window saying to you, and by the way, you know you, we're only going to concede four goals here this year. You would think yeah. you'd been out on the bevy. I mean, it's, it's just uh, it's four goals at home in a whole season. Really? How is that possible? And 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 they, I, I come back to they were still not happy. You know, <laughs> they, were, they were still not happy with us. But, but it was just always chipping away, at making sure you didn't become a big head. Always. One of the home just that season, Graham, was the seven nil against Tottenham. First. And that- that goal by Terry Mack at the end is still to this day yeah. the greatest team goal I've ever seen. Not just by Liverpool, but by anyone. Well, we we were um that was Anfield Road and we were defending yeah. the top. Terry Mack's on the penalty spot with me, roughly. And um we break away and within six, seven seconds he's heading in at Anfield Road. It, it went out to the right originally, and then was Dave Johnson played a ball first time? Yeah. 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 Was it Steve Highway and did he cross yeah. or was it all the way around? Mm-hmm. Steve Highway. And Terry, Terry, what a good player he was, Steve Highway. No one talks about these. These were world-class footballers. Just another world-class footballer. Um, and they had they had the two Argentinians, didn't they? That um they thought they got they um they realized that maybe because I think they had a couple of good results building up to that game, and they must have thought this English first division is not so difficult. And then those those two I rattled their cages a couple of times. They, they, they must have fucking thought 
they got caught in a revolving door that day. They just couldn't escape that door. We, we, absolutely, we absolutely mullered them. I mean, physically, football-wise, everything. They just couldn't deal with the intensity of us. I think Terry Mack had an unbelievable turn of pace game, didn't he? He was very deceiving, like, because, yeah. yeah, do you know when you look at that goal, as you say, it starts and Terry Mack's at the edge of the Liverpool box when that's I, going. I wouldn't say he was a sprinter. What I would say was he could run 50, 60, 70 yards the same in the 90th minute as he could in the first minute. Yeah. He'd run yeah. away from people. In the 90th minute, because he was the same speed as he was in the first minute, he, he had an unbelievable engine. Yeah. He had an unbelievable, Just... unbelievable capacity to drink lager as well. And have no, <laughs> and have no, 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 didn't alter his training at all. He was still at the front. Him and Emlyn were just unbelievable in that department. <laughs> they really were. They were another level, another level. Tell you what, what a player. And when you, when you hear of like modern day football and you say modern day football, you say you, you, you've got to about diet, it's about what you eat, it's about how you train. We had the greatest team in the world and probably some of the best drinkers, probably as well. well, well yeah, but they, they, were, they could party, but they were, they were good. They knew when to do it and yeah. not to do it. See, I, I, had, I remember when I was my last job at Newcastle, I had Dyer and Craig Bellamy, a couple of rascals, good lads, but they're from, you know, rascals. And they would say, ah, but when you played, it was different. You know, it was, it was walkabout football. And you were always drinking. I said, tell me this. No one's ever been able to answer this. We were playing against, yeah, we did socialise, maybe more than we should have done. But we were playing against players that were living like you boys are living now. Very little alcohol, proper food, you know, sports science. And strangely enough, we used to piss all over them. And the longer the game went, we got stronger and they got weaker. Can you throw any light on that? And they'd go, uh, I said, I'll tell you what it was. And they'd think, I'd, just because we were so good, we were better players than them. And, then, you know, there'd be a, generally an F off at the end of it. You know, but they couldn't, couldn't deal with that. We were just, <laughs> we were just the best. We just, and we just made the ball work. We just, you know, we kept possession better than anyone else. And what else, what else would, I could talk all night about us, but you'd, that's, what else would, what else we did better than anybody else? And nobody really worked it out. And you talk about the modern game, a full, it's a new thing, according to the experts, fullbacks joining in. When we played, we had a goalkeeper who played an 18-yard line, but it was Clemmer Brucey. Then we had up half, near the halfway line, we had, say, Alan Hansen and Laurel. And there'd be two strikers against them. And I was just slightly in front of them. And the two fullbacks played in front of me, generally. They were, they were always in front of me, sometimes narrow, sometimes wide. We always had more men in midfield than anybody else. And people are going, how do they keep the ball so well? Apart from being really good players, our system was to keep our fullbacks into midfield as long as we can. I played in three European Cup finals, and two of those, I remember it's a new thing, fullbacks joining in, and two of those, the fullbacks scored from open play. It's not, yes. a, it's not a new thing. It's not a new thing. We were doing it 40, 50. Shankly would have been doing it before I got to the club. They, they were way ahead of their time. Well, didn't coaches used to come from all around the world, you up-and-coming young coaches, to see what the secret was? Yeah. And as you say, the, the secret was we had better players who worked harder and who worked but in the system. Someone, anyone, I bet it's happened to me two or three times, but there was, you know, sort of once a month, a, co a, co a coach would turn up from, most of them came from Scandinavia, I think. And they'd turn up with their notepad, you know, their A4 notepad. And they would get, open the page 
and then they would write down, walk around the perimeter, jog around the perimeter, few stretches, three quarter sprints, six aside, some sprints and home. So they'd write that down. The second day, walk around the perimeter, jog around the perimeter, few stretches, few sprints, six aside, sprints home. The third day, they didn't bother bringing that. <laughs> and they just sit there. And on two or three occasions, whoever it was has said to me, do you come back in the afternoon and do your real training? I said, no, no, that's it. That's what we do. There was a, we went to, we went to um, I think that it was a year that we were 12th at Christmas time. And, you know, in pre-season tours, they all booked up early. And um, I think they were a wee bit worried because Liverpool, you know, it was a, in those days, pre-season tour, they would earn money out of it to play big tournaments and stuff. So I got the chance to go to a play, in, a play in a tournament in Marbella. <clears throat> it was Atletico Madrid, Malaga, and I think it was Schalke. So we arrived there and we're staying in a hotel called Andalusia Plaza, right, you know, in the middle of it all. And... Um, they said the posters all around the town that Liverpool were playing. When we get to the hotel, the reception, a big reception, and it was full of bikini-clad women. And, and you could see Bob Pace and Joe Fagan going. And they went off into the corner, and I think at that moment, they just said, we won't be able to control them, we'll just do our best. So <laughs> we, um, we were allowed to... We train at the wrong time. We train at half past 10, 11 o'clock, when the suns get near its warmest. We'd come back, we'd spend afternoons around the pool, we'd have our dinner, then we'd go down to the port, having a few beers. And, you know, it was it's a room with Kenny, and there was this guy, Kenny always, in those days, liked to get in the corner out of the way. So we'd be in the corner and started watching the rest of them, what they're getting up to. And um, see this coach, this general coach, watching them all the time. So <clears throat> comes the first game, and um, was it Schalke we played? Anyway, we were brilliant. We bashed them up about four or five nil, whoever it was. And that night, we're back in the pub. And he came over, he said, how'd you do it? I, I watch you train. I see that you drink beer and you can play football like that. I said, well, I can't really answer. That's, this is normal for us. And he was amazed. He had his players training at six in the morning, going to bed during the hot hours, bed in the afternoon and training seven o'clock, half seven in the evening. And they, they were fucking hopeless. And we were, we, you know, we were, we were just, and it was just another example of how good we were. We could, you know, we could go and not even fully fit be the best teams because we're that good. God. Do you, do, do, do you ever think that, that you know, at that period of time, did you, you know, when you're looking back and you, and you, and you see that, do you ever wonder why we never, we never did it in the FA Cup. We never had any luck in the FA Cup. Well, in a cup competition, you need a bit of luck. You, need, you know, this is why at Liverpool, they always said winning the league said more about you as a team, as an individual, than winning a cup. Because a bit of bad luck on a day can cost you a game in a cup. But winning a league meant you dealt with the down, you know, the difficult periods in the season. You dealt with the injuries. You dealt with the disappointments. So you'd be over nine months. You were the best. You don't yeah. win a league. You only win the league because you've been the best team. You've not enjoyed a, a lucky period. You've been the best team. And um, it said more about your consistency levels. <clears throat> I remember we lost. 
we, we played, was it in a four was it four games or three games we lost to Arsenal? Oh, we lost yeah. to yeah. we lost to um, Man United in a replay. That oh. Goodison, but they were games we should have won. These yeah. were games we should have won. Just on the day, it just the ball didn't bounce for us. Uh, I'm that's the Charity one Mack. thing I hope. Go on, go on, Les. Terry Mack missed the pen, didn't he, at the post in the in the first game at, at uh, Main Road when Jockey got the equaliser from a yeah. Phil Thompson cross, would you believe? And um, and as I say, Terry Mack missed the missed the penalty. Kenny scored the great goal. Terry Mack missed the penalty, and it, you just felt that it wasn't meant to be. I always remember in that game, um, the. Steve Iway come on a sub after about 65, 70 minutes for Jimmy Case and he absolutely run Jimmy Nickel ragged and was yeah. responsible for Liverpool getting back in the game because United were on top at that point. And then in the replay, I think... Jimmy Greenock. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. in the replay, um, Bob started with, with Stevie Iway instead of Jimmy Case and a fresh Jimmy Nickel against an older Stevie. I wish Stevie didn't have the same impact. And I think later on, Bob probably regretted that yeah. decision to start with Jimmy. He didn't get much wrong, did he? No, he didn't. Going back to those four games, Graham, well, we played Arsenal five times, actually, within the space of the fortnight. We had the league game at Anfield as well. But I always remember the first game at Hillsborough. I think Brian Talbot hit the bar in the last he minute at Arsenal. Yes, he got the winner in the fourth game. Yeah, and he got the winner at Coventry, didn't he, in the in the fourth one? But mm. it was like the banker mum and dad. Every time we got a draw, I'd be coming out because I went to all four. I'd be coming out to my mum and dad saying, "Can I borrow some more money? We're playing them again in a few days' time." Mm. And in hindsight, you know, when we got back on that coach at Coventry, we were really gutted. And I said to me, "Mace, you know what? I wish Talbot had scored in that last minute. It wouldn't put us to all yeah. this agony." Went to Villa yeah. Park twice in Coventry. But yeah. um yeah, it's it's like you say, we just didn't seem to have the luck in the FA Cup for some reason. You know, like yeah, we the, Yeah, go on, sorry. And win the League Cup for fun every year as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's just it's just the way it was. There's no doubt we were the best team. We just on, on the night we didn't enjoy that bit of luck. And you yeah. know what I think? Well, it was Bob as well, because he'd missed out on the FA Cup, and I think we, we were desperate for to win the trophy for him, I should imagine, mm. as as players. You know, like it was the one he missed out on, and he won everything, didn't he? You know, oh. and like I was, we were at the game. We were talking about the that that game at, at Goodison Park. You know, where the, it's recently been on a little video of it been on where it was, it was two, it finished two two, didn't it? The, mm. the first the first leg, and then we lost, we lost. I think Mark Hughes got the winner in the replay. Didn't, score, didn't he? Didn't Brian Robson score? Brian, yeah, Brian Robson. Was it Robbo? At, no, oh, I no, thought it was Jimmy Greenoff got the goal. Yeah, Jimmy Greenoff got the goal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had them twice, didn't we? In, yeah. in a couple of years, and he knocked us out. But unbelievable. But I always thought that that was, you know, if ever a man deserved to win at Wembley was Bob Paisley. Hmm. I don't think he can complain. What do you want? No. Do you know what? That's what I know. I know. Even in, in today, where we talk about Alex Ferguson and, and he, what he achieved in that, but Bob, for, for what he won in that in that nine year period, was it nine years? No, yeah, just incredible, incredible. Yeah. Do you know? And he and he and he's never. You know when they, they actually talk about football, he's never given the credit he deserves. Yeah. 
but, but he was a quiet man, wasn't he? he? Never looked for a headline. He just he was happy to. Yeah. That when we won the league cup, was it Man United would be? Yeah. And he went up steps first. He didn't want to go. I was literally pushing him up there. He yeah, didn't want yeah. to go. He didn't want to go. And then when you win the it's it was strange in his last year because you know, as a captain, I was going to a few dinners with him. And through the year, through that year, you could see him getting more and more confident about talking to people in, you know, in public. And he's actually very funny. And towards the end, he, he, had, he sharpened up an act where he was actually very funny. His timing was good and telling stories. He was, he was special. He was, you know, I, I, um, I, I, was, I, was, I was out last night and I was, I was talking about, I was sitting next to Fergie, funny enough, at a dinner, LMA, LMA dinner. We were talking about great managers. And, you know, he said, well, yeah, I had longevity, but when he mentioned Paisley, that's like, how many was it? In nine years, how many was it? About 12, 13 trophies or something? Yeah, you'd actually, something like that, 12 or 13. Just <laughs> incredible. <laughs> just, a, and you know what? I met him, you know, Graham. I met him about two or three times. He used to, in the, in the, in, he run the speak police five aside. And Janet Island was a, a woman that he must have lived by him in, in Wilson. And he used to come and give the trophies out to all the kids, you know. And he brought John Aldridge. The poor John Aldridge got, got dragged along. It must have been every couple of times. We So I met him and he signed. We got medals at the time as a manager because we got through to the final. And he signed the medal for me. And you know, and you know what? I never lacked the bottom of the medal. And it, it disappeared over, you know, after yeah. time I was gutted. Absolutely gutted. But he was a lovely, lovely man. He took time to speak to everybody. He, he, he was just, ruthless as well, you know. I, I yeah. could imagine. No, he was ruthless as well. You know, he, he obviously knew football inside out, but he found it hard to get that message across at times. And, uh, you know, there's individuals, maybe I wouldn't name them, who took advantage of that, but you'd find at the end of the season they might be on their way. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't know. And I, I was lucky because I had sort of four, four and a bit years up in the northeast, and they have the little sayings. So I knew, I knew um, right away what he was trying to say. Um, and I, I, I really, really, I, I, well, he made me captain. I really liked him. I got on well with him. And I used to, I lived in West Derby, I lived in Sandfield Park in West Derby. So what I would do, I would take my, my used to be my daughter, then it was a daughter and my son to school. And then I would um, come back there and go to the garage. I'd go and Bob's, get Bob Rockless garage. And um, he was always in the back. And I would come, I would just, I'd have a cup of tea. Joan was there. She was sort of like, girl, but knows they serve you petrol. And so it was Joan. And then the two Bobs, Bob Rockler and Bob Paisley would be in the back picking horses and you could see them. And I would never intrude. And and um, so we'd pass as he was going into work, I still another 10, 15 minutes in the garage. And um, we struck up, there was no lengthy conversations. But he, he, would, he would say something that at the time meant nothing. And then, you know, you're, I'm driving back into Anfield after us. What did he mean by that? And there was always a meaning to what he said. He was an old, he was an old, he was a wise old devil. Mm. There was no flies on him. Can I I just take you forward to to 1984, your final season with the Reds? You know, where we end up, you know, doing doing the treble under Joe. And, you know, 
this is something else that gets missed by a lot of people. You scored the first ever goal in an all Merseyside Cup final to mm. actually win, you know, the League Cup. What are your memories of that, of that occasion, you know, the all Merseyside Cup final and the replay? I remember in the first game, we got lucky. We didn't we didn't start well. Everton were on the way up then. They were a decent team. And we got away with a draw that day. I think we should have lost at Wembley that day. And then the second game back at Main Road, it was nip and tuck. I think it was the first half we scored. But I can yeah. remember the ball coming into me and I miscontrolled it. And I spun and it just came up and I managed to, you know, sort of that movement as opposed to that one. I just said to, and it sort of bounced in front of Neville Southall and the pace took it into the net. And of course, if we ever went that year, all the teams I played at Liverpool were like this, but especially that team. If we got the first goal, it was good night Vienna for we very rarely gave up a goal after that. You know, it might not have been the most exciting at times, but you know, and then if you've got Rossi in the team, just defend properly, you know he's going to get a goal for you. And he got a lot of goals that year. But that, I, remember, that, I remember in the League Cup as well, Graham, we played Wolves all over two legs. And they actually come up to our place and got a 2-2 in the first leg. So we all said, right, we'll have to go down. We, we took half a day off work and went down. And that was the night that um, the wall collapsed, if you remember. That's right. There was photographs of you in the paper with a couple of young kids coming off the pitch. Yeah, the whole, the whole um, thing came down. Yeah, the, I mean, we, we were in obviously in that end, but we were standing towards the back and even the wall at the back wasn't very well built, you know. Yeah. But um, what I was going to ask you about that year as well was when did you know... Did you know in your own mind you were going to leave at the end of that year? No, no. I mean, you're already or what? I, I tell you what happened. I, I was when I was married at the time. She, she, her family had a few bob, and she was about to inherit some money, so she had to go and leave the country for three years. And and really at that time, um, you know, did I really want to leave Liverpool? I was captain of Liverpool, captain of Scotland. I was in my pomp. I was playing my best football. Um, so I didn't really, I didn't really want to leave, but circumstances dictated because you know there's no talk of private jets or helicopters in those days you know I would have to have been living on my own and she'd have to have gone offshore somewhere um, and then I don't I can't honestly say how the, the interest from this Roma also showed an interest um, as to Barcelona Terry Venables had just gone to Barcelona and they they, they offered me a two year deal and I said, no, I want a three-year deal because my wife had, um, mm. she had to be out for three years. So, and also the season before that, was it season, I had a chance to go to Bayern Munich as well. But I come back to that, you know, you didn't leave Liverpool. You just didn't leave Liverpool. It was, yeah. if you had a choice, you chose Liverpool above all them. So yeah. like, I, I can't really remember how, but at that time there was, Italy was like the Premier League and more. You know, they were paying a lot of money over there. They had very wealthy owners. Um, and it was all the biggest players in the world were there. So, and I don't think, I think Liverpool, you know, I was 31 then. They got, they paid £352,000 for me. And I think they got about seven fifty for me. So they had the best part of seven seasons service and then a double their money on me. So, well, so that, for them, them it was good business. The last yeah. act of the Liverpool player was to score the penalty then, wasn't it? In yeah. The, in the shootouts. Yeah. yeah. Good way yeah. to go. I tell I tell yeah. about that penalty. I, I took a few penalties. I took I remember scoring against um, Shilton at Wembley, England, Scotland. But I'd always put the ball down, and then I'd have a look at the, the, the goalkeeper, 
and I'd come back, and I always would shape to go to the goalkeeper's left, and then because you can whip it, if you should come round, approach the ball at an angle. So if the ball's in front of you, take a few steps to the left, right-footed player, threaten to go to the goalkeeper's left, and then whip it to the goalkeeper's right. So I put it down. I've looked at the goalkeeper. I've turned away. That's what I'm going to do. So from turning away and taking four or five steps, whatever it was, and turning, I decided to change my mind. Why? I have no idea. But as it turned out, I couldn't hit any better. <laughs> and, that, and, and you know, and that's the hardest technique of all, because if you think about it, you're putting only maybe five inches of boot on the ball, a little bit of the boot on the ball to, to get that, that motion, to strike it like that. So I got, that was good technique, but I got lucky as well. For a minute, when it left me, I thought, that's going over the bar. Unfortunately, it didn't. Do you know when you see Alan Kennedy walking up to take the penalty? Honestly, how or this was your confidence? No. He's 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 too mad to be frightened. He would be no nerves with him. You know, he, he's much he's much um, criticised, not criticised, but undervalued. I think he was proper. You know, he's he's he used to try and hit annoy the life out of me, where he'd get the ball at left back and he'd try and ping it. 60, 70 yards diagonally to the right winger. And I'm shown for it. And I'm falling out with them all the time. Um, especially, you know, if it didn't land, didn't find its target, I would give him a volley. And I can remember saying to, to Joe, I said, Joe, you got to fucking speak to him. You, got, you know, he keeps giving the fucking ball away. And um, he said, just keep showing for it. He just keeps showing for it. He will give it to you. But he, he was a really good player, Alan Kennedy. He gave us a lot going forward. And um, he had that never-say-die attitude. He was, he was mad as a brush, but he had that never-say-die attitude. And, you know, he would try something. If it didn't work, he'd keep trying it, keep trying it. He was not frightened to make mistakes. And he had great athleticism as well. And physically, he'd have a go. You know, he, he would physically have a go. Still, yeah. see, Barney plays a bit at the game now. He's there all the time. He's still yeah. fit looking, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of those boys who's naturally fit. Yeah. yeah. Today, just brings us to can we move on to have a little chat about how well, you see Liverpool today? Yeah. And with, with our, you know, with them, um, there's been rumoured lots of players coming today. And, 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 you know, I think, what do you think the players that we need to be, where's, where we got to invest in this summer? And what are the players that we're looking for? Well, all right. I've got a column in the newspaper on a Saturday morning, and on the 10th of, 10th of August last year, I wrote, I'm a bit disappointed Liverpool and bought a couple of midfield players because I think that's an area where they need to strengthen. And my, my thinking hasn't changed. You know, if you look at, there's nothing wrong with the squad other than a couple of really good midfield players, then you got your team back to challenging again. <clears throat> People are pointing out Trent's weakness defending. Um, the back four all of a sudden look vulnerable. Van Dijk doesn't look the same. That, for me, in my opinion, only stems from the midfield not putting the ball under pressure. You know, Liverpool were the best. When John Hen uh, Jordan Henderson, when Aldum, James Milner, when they were in their pomp, they would have been horrible to play against because when you're playing against them, they, were, they weren't two yards off you. They were there. They were in your face. So you'd be, your head would be down all the time unless you could do something to skip past one of them. So if they're, if they're at you all the time keeping your head down, the back four... Van Dijk and the rest of them can push up with confidence, knowing the midfield are all over their midfield, keeping the ball under pressure. So no quality coming into you. 
That's gone this year. Occasionally it showed itself, but that's gone. Different midfield. Um, always felt, even when they were at the very best, icing on the cake would have been someone who could do that, the hard yards, but also have a bit of craft and, and you know, Dinka Passa. Um, so for me, the age of that back four should only be getting better. You've got a great goalkeeper. The back four, Kanatia still concerns me slightly. I think Matip's still the best one. Whether he goes for someone else there. <coughs> because as a manager, time ain't your friend. It's got to be next year for this team again. It's got to, they've got to be on it next year. I think up front, there's plenty of goals in the team. Even with the ones that are leaving, plenty of goals. So for me, a couple of really good midfield players. I see he's linked with McAllister, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. What do you like, think about McAllister? I like him. Do you, do you know, we've had this discussion. I, I raved about McAllister right right the way through. From when I, I first watched him play for Bright, Brighton against Liverpool, and him and, and Sesedio doubled up on Thiago. And it was the way they worked him. I, I've said to Les and to Peter, you, you would get Sesedio hitting him, pressing him quickly, and McAllister would come up and take the ball away from him and move away fast. And he'd done it to him all the way through the game. And I was look, looking, talking to my son, Lee, as well, while the game was going on. And I was saying, you know, he, he's a brilliant little footballer, that lad. He really is. Uh, and, I, and I've said all the way through, I said, he's the one that I really want. And, and the lads, most of the lads have said, Cesario is the one. But I think he'd be a brilliant player for Liverpool. I mean, different. I, I think McAllister's, there's nothing to dislike about him. I think he's got the work rate. He's got the talent. You know, Argentinians are, you know, can be gritty when they have to be. You know, you can't mess them around. Um, you know, his old man, I think it was his grandfather, went, he's Scottish, went from Scotland, I think, taken out there to be sheep farmers. His, his grandfather, his great-grandfather. And his father played for Argentina. I think he was a left back. But no, there's nothing to dislike about him. I think he's fire. I think he's spirited. I don't think you could sicken them physically. He's got real talent, chips him with a goal, sees a pass. No, he's proper. For me, he's proper. He would make Liverpool better. I like who's him. The other, who's the other two lads that we were talking about? It's, they've, they've been linked, haven't they, with two young French midfield players, Kone from who plays for Brushy Munch and Gladbach, and Terran, who's, um, who's Lillian Terran's son, who plays we're, for Nick. Yeah. With both of them. Yeah, you see... Well, the ideal scenario is you want to buy people who have performed in the Premier League. You know, if we if we acknowledge that the Premier League is the best league in the world, you're bringing people in from other leagues who sometimes find it difficult. Best example of that, Thierry Henry. You know, for after two or three years, if you remember his first year at Arsenal, he didn't. He was a had a stinker. And then for me, arguably, became the best player in the world for two or three years. So our league takes a bit of um, adjusting to the intensity of it. So the young, those they might be fabulous players. They might come here at the ground running. They might need a year. But I think with McAllister, you've got someone who who knows what he's going to be confronted with every every Saturday, Sunday he plays. I'm I'm trying to think who else you would want. I don't think Belling was ever a possibility, you know, given that Cruz and Modric at Real Madrid are coming to the end of their life there. I think he was always destined for there. Um, and he's obviously a really good player. The fact that he won the Player of the Year in Germany this year. He's 19 years old. Mm -hmm. So, 
we were talking previously just before we came on on, on the program, Graham, and we were. We were thinking he's such a young lad and he's played so many games already, and you just worry about his health, really. You know, will he be able to sustain it? Well, he looks athletic, doesn't he? He looks yeah. to be an athlete. There's, there's like rumours today that he might need some surgery already, yeah. and for a 19-year-old, you know. Yeah, and there's not the same intensity in German football as well. No, you know, it's, it's not great. Just like a midfield, and I think McAllister would fit the bill. You can weigh in with some goals. We rely oh, heavily on the forward line. The way it's the way we play, obviously, it's the way we play. But when we had Genie play in the midfield, he'd weigh in a few goals, and I think we've lost a little bit of edge there. Well, he had energy. You know, James Milner had great energy and great intensity, as did Jordan Henderson. But that, you know, that's in the past, and I think it's the next generation in there. But the rest of the team, for me, mm-hmm. um, I think if we can get a couple of good midfield players. Where, where, do you, where do you see Trent ending up, Craig? Do you, do you think he's a midfield player or do you think he's, he's a Did he not back? start as a midfield player? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, I think playing that assist, what happens with centre-backs? Centre-backs like to hold hands with each other. So when if he goes and plays into midfield, that means the right-sided centre-back has to go out and be a cross between a right-back and a right-centre-back, a right-back. They don't like going out that wide centre-backs. And against, was it Spurs, Konati, he, he, he found it difficult. I think mm-hmm. against the lesser teams, Jordan going in there because he's a wonderful passer of the ball. This is my two concerns. Him going in there because a problem for Gomez might be better at it, Matip might be able to deal with that better. But against Spurs, I think Konati was, didn't know where to stick or twist at times. Trent going in there will definitely give you, he's the best passer they've got in the club. One of the best passes of the ball in the country. Great range of pass. Um, <clears throat> against the lesser teams, I think it would work. I think when we're playing against the better teams, and the, I would have said when you lose possession, I think the, the word in the, in the modern game is transition. So when you when you when you lose the ball, you have to have a very different thought process. You know, if you're a fullback, it's very simple. You're looking. If you're a fullback, you're looking at everything is there. If you're right back, touchline, every player in the pitch you can see. When you're 20 yards in there, you've got to have a different radar on. You've got to be like a midfield player. You've got to be like a frog seeing everything. And I just worry about him um, because he's not a great he's not a great player that senses danger, even as a fullback. And a fullback is the easiest place to play on the pitch. Mm. But he's, Less, he's, he's, listen, Less, the, the, the one in the league... Though. They won yeah. the league with them playing at right back. They won the European yeah. Cup with them at right back. Yeah. He should only be he should only be better today than he was two years, three years ago. He yeah. ain't, he ain't the biggest problem we've got. For me, the problem is the midfield. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I think everybody I think everybody accepts that. I think we're where we're looking for players. I think we're looking for mid like players of 23, 24, 25. I think we Last season was a problem where we had young players where you had Elliot and, and Trent and uh, Elliot and um Cavallo and you had um Curtis, Curtis Jones, Jones who was coming in. So you had them three young players, and then you had older players like you had Milner, Jordan Henderson, Oxley Chamberlain, well Keita when when he was fit, but and, and Thiago. So there was not there was nothing in between. 
at the midfield, and I thought that's where the legs where we run out of legs. Oh, it's not so. See, you've named a lot of midfield players there, and you would think yeah. you could rotate them to get you know performances out of them. I'm, 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 you know, I'm afraid to say just maybe someone just not good enough for where Liverpool need to be. Yeah. That would be my that would be my overall take on it. Um, I just think some are just not. If you look to win the Premier League and you look to win the Champions League, maybe just some of them are not that level. I mean, age. Does age come into it? If you're good enough, you're old enough. Stefan Bajetic, Graham, have you seen? What have you liked? What you've seen of him so far? Who? Yes. Bajetic. He, he's the one I do like. He's yeah. injured. He got injured towards the end, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a good player. I think I think he's the best out of the, the young ones. Very good. And he's, he's got he puts a foot in as well, doesn't he? Yeah. He, he was centre back as well, and he's he's See, being converted into a midfield player. You see, at a football club, it's never been any different. The, the most important thing you have to get right is recruitment. Liverpool, up until the last couple of years, have been brilliant at that. Michael Edwards or whoever else that was involved in it. And you need a bit of luck, but they've, they've, they've been fabulous. They've been better than anyone else. Um, you know, when you look at the kind of money they've spent to Man United's money and Man City's money, they have, they've done remarkably well. And we'll have to see this summer how much money they're going to give the manager to spend. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's what we're all waiting for, I think. Yeah. I think everybody's sitting waiting for that moment. Graeme, we, we we're coming up to nearly the, the hour. Could, could could would you explain what, what the the Deborah Foundation is and how we can help? Uh, well, well, if you just put it on your on your site. I mean I, I got involved with this five years ago. It's a skin disease. Um I've been on the telly with a little girl called Isla and she has dystrophic there's different degrees of it. Yeah. So she has sort of near enough to, there is one you're born with and you don't, you know, you can live hours or days with it. So, she, yeah. so she's got recessive dystrophic EB, which is not good. Yeah. Um, and her, her body is completely covered in blisters and open wounds. It's like someone, and it's the best analogy, and I asked her, if, if, and I asked her father if she might be describing it this way, and she says, no, it's, 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 it's as true as you're, the words come out of your mouth. It's like a blowtorch has been taken across her body and taken all her skin off. Truly horrendous. So <clears throat> I was like, you never had, Tom, you'd never heard of it. No. The, the world hadn't heard of it. No. And it's an absolutely evil disease. I mean, it is life-limiting. You don't live very long with this disease. Mm. And it's just truly horrible. It makes every single day just a chore. You know, you're in pain or you're in... You're either in really, really painful days or a really painful day or a, just a painful day. Yeah. And then they have to go on serious drugs when they have their dressings changed, which is three or four times a week. But if there's no respite. It's with you all the time, these poor kids. So when did you decide that you were going to swim the channel? Oh, well, I'm, I'm swimming about four hours of it. I'm not swimming. That might be for another day. But out of the six of us, I'll, I'll do about four hours. I'm, I've been training for nine months because I live down on the south coast, and I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed training. I've enjoyed the, you know, getting up in the morning. I say that. Some morning, obviously, I could have stayed in my bed you know, through the winter, but most of it I've enjoyed. It's, so, you know, I'm training with some military lads, and they're, you know, hard school. There's no um, no excuses accepted. Yeah. And and I've really enjoyed it. A lot easier now, because the, wa the water's warmer and it's lighter in the morning. So when do you actually take the challenge? 
Well, I'll be fine. The guys that I'm swimming with are better than me. I'll be fine as long as it's not too rough. So we have a four-day window. We have the 17th, 18th, 19th, or 20th of June. So it's like three weeks away. So you know, we'll get the call 24 hours before. We'll nip down to, to um, Dover. And then you get on a boat in Dover and you sail around the corner up the, you know, the coast a bit. And then you get in the water. It'll be, I suppose we'll be starting about five in the morning. And it depends on the currents as well and tides. You know, because that can make it a lot longer if you just get the wrong tide current. But well, we'll be fine. It's just, it's just. I've needed something. I've been bored. I've needed something. <laughs> but you, we, but you know what we'll do? What we can up here to raise as much money for it as we can. You know, but this end, and I'll, I'll ask, I'll ask my sons to get involved. You know, so. Um, well, there's a site. There's a giving site. One of these giving pages. Yeah. And it's, if you want to write this down, it's give dot as slash yes as yeah Arsenal Stoke. So it's give dot as slash slash Debra Swim. Debra is the name of the girl. D e b r a Debra Swim. Swim. Okay. <coughs> well, actually, we've raised some some good money. Yeah. You know, yeah. being on television has helped enormously. ITV and BBC. Have been a great help to us, but it is a truly, truly tragic thing to see. Yes. Les and I, I'll, I'll have a word with the supporters, uh, the supporters club, and make a, do- a, a donation. And yeah. I'll ask me, great. and I'll ask, I'll ask the, uh, the lads, and I'm, from the podcast we put out, put it out on Twitter, and I'll get me my son. Son's a consultant in in, in Wigan, so I'll ask him to advertise it as well to try and get as oh, much good. as we can. Really well. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on today. It's the highlight. We've the three of us, the three of us have been as nervous all day thinking about (laughs) this. And you know, it's been an absolute pleasure. As you know, I could talk about I could talk about those seven years for two days. Oh non-stop. There was that much fun and obviously success. Very few disappointments. It was just being around those guys. It was just a, an unbelievable seven years. Graham, can we just end on a lighter note? And I always love this story. Can you please tell the story about Stevie Nick when he, when he was told that Kenny was dying? Oh, well, this is how I remember it. So we're we're in um, we're in Israel. I think we're preparing for the eighty four Champions League final. There we were. Or, yeah, it was. Was, yeah. It, was it? Yeah. So um, we're out for a Chinese, and Kenny Allen and I, we would sit next to each other. And um, Big Al got up and went down to, we had a long table. Big Al went down to the um, other end of the table. And we can't hear what he's saying. And Kenny said to me, What do you reckon he's saying to Bumper, Stevie Nickel? <laughs> and Bumper, Bumper was, you know, he, he, <laughs> we, we called ourselves a master race, and then Bumper came along and let us down. <laughs> you know, there was, there, was Ken, there was Kenny Allen and I, and we were quite vocal in the dressing room. And a little anecdote, on a Friday, Kenny would turn up with two packets of, do you know the story? McVitie's biscuits. So they had the chocolate version and the plain version. So the, the chocolate version was for us jocks. So the plain, were put on, the plain were put on the middle of the table and we would just sit and we'd have four biscuits each. 
And uh, anyway, so we, we were quite vocal and then fucking Bumper came along and ruined it for us. <laughs> so this, this night in Israel, and Bumper's shaking his head and Alan's going, you know, well, Alan. So then Bumper gets up and goes to the loo. So, so I go down and say to Big Al, I say, what, what are you telling him? Oh, it's great, it's great. I've told him, and he's bought a hook, line, and sinker. I've told him Kenny's dying. <laughs> so, I said, so I said, well, Kenny and I, Kenny and I are going back to, back, to, you know, back to the hotel now. Get him up, we'll have some fun. So half an hour later, the door goes, Big Al with um, Bumper sitting on the side of the bed. And he's pretending he's, you know, making small talk. And then Kenny said to him, you've said to Big Al, you've effing told him, haven't you? And Big Al, he got it out of me, forced it out of me, got it out of me. I've had a drink, I've just, I've, yeah, I've told him. So I, there was a bit of banter going back and forward. And then <laughs> he said, well, you know, what happened? And he said, well, do you remember we took that throw in? And that, and you threw it short to me and I bent down and I headed it back to you and I got kicked on the head. Yeah. He said, well, that was the start of it. Well, he's, he's in tears now. Bumper's now in tears. And then the conversation went on and on and on. And then Bumper said, to be fair, you've been playing shit, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said that to Kenny. <laughs> right. So he's chased him out of the room. But what a night, what a night, what... You have to get Big Al to tell the story because he, he is the greatest storyteller. But he, he dresses up. Every time you hear it from him, it's a different version. He really is. But what, what, what a team group we had in those days. The laughs we had. We had so yeah. many laughs. And I'd love to go and do it all again. I'd love to yeah, go. You know, I'll tell you what, Graham. We, we don't turn the clock back to January 1978 and experience it all again with you. Yeah, yeah. well... They were great days. I walked into a, a dream of a football club. You know, maybe, maybe we're here to win trophies. Game. Yeah, leave the yeah, Birmingham yeah. game, man. <laughs> yeah, leave that one. Leave that one. Yeah. But it, was just, it was just filled with great times, great stories, great players. Thank you very, very much. It's been an absolute joy. And just as you are, you're a brilliant player, you're a brilliant individual. Thank you, Graham. Guys, thank, thank you for making it easy. And good luck you. with your podcast. Yeah, thank and you very much. Soon, Graham, and hope, hopefully you'll join us again soon. Yeah, well, let's end of the season. Let's see what sort of season we have. Yeah, okay. brilliant. You take care. All right, boys. All right, boys. Bye, Good luck Graham. to you. Off to the Graham. pub now, are we? We're off to the hey. pub. No, no we're yeah. over now. I was just <laughs> <a> <laughs> away from each other. <laughs> see you guys. See you later, Graham. Cheers. 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 Cheers.